0: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going?
1: Really well. Yeah. Happy things are going well.
0: Yeah. Beautiful fall weather for us up here in Ontario. Uh, I got to run on the trails while you got to ride with a friend on the trails, so kind of best of both worlds. It's We don't get to do that that often. It feels like our schedules have not really been synced where we've gotten to drive to the trailhead together lately, so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Yeah, it was
1: smooth operation. Good weather.
0: Yeah, and of course, you were, you were at the eight-hour at Hardwood Bike and Ski yesterday. That's
1: right. Yeah, our friends over at Hardwood Ski and Bike. Sorry. I believe they put skiing first. Uh, and pulse racing are, are good fun. Glenn put on a great event, sold out event, which, you know, in, in this day and age is, is, rare to have sold out events, I think in cycling. Uh, but yeah, this event's been around for a long time and they did a great job. And, and even still, I think I gave them kudos uh, just for improving you know the amount of food available different vendors they had saunas you could try out there's a sauna rental company there so just All
0: right. i have some feelings about that i'm not gonna lie about what uh, we talked about this <laughs> the uh you know going in the sauna in your chamois whilst still sweating Well, the sauna is probably
1: fine the cold plunge i'm not sure about the i'm a little iffy I, a little I opted iffy. out but i mean to each their own to for each sure. their own
0: for sure uh, I actually got in my own cold plunge yesterday. I took DW out on the paddle board for probably what's going to be one of the last paddles of the season, uh, and it was it was very chilly in the water, but beautiful on the water. So that was very nice. Um, but what I wanted to kind of get at with the eight hour is something that we talk with our guests today about a lot, which is, uh, you know, this year you're you are on the the old boys team. Your collective age for your team was. In the two hundred category, two hundred and
1: forty. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're getting up there. So, what? Where are you going with that?
0: Well, where I was going with this is today we have our friend Vivian Fabry. She is an amazing mountain biker, super cool person. Uh, she's the spouse of our other good friend Raf Gagne, uh, who's been on the podcast. Couple times now, I think, or at least once.
1: Just once, yeah. It was a good episode. A lot of people really liked it, especially towards the end. We started talking about language learning and just Raf, you know, the different things he's picked up along along the way. Which
0: Vivian, Vivian and I also talk about because she is from Brazil, made her way, you know, uh, spent a lot of time in the U.S., spent a lot of time racing in Europe. Now she's in Quebec, so kind of has gone from. Spanish to English to French, and we actually got to see her at Quebec Single Track Experience. Just amazing, yeah. Just pivoting between the languages flawlessly and hilariously, like, kept apologizing for it, but spoke better in all of the languages than we speak in any of them. Uh, So kudos to her for that. Um, I I still don't know how she she manages. Um, But what I was going to say is, we talk a lot about her career in the, you know, in the mountain biking scene, and you know, she went from being professional to kind of finding this new place where now she's doing some coaching, she's doing some communications work, uh, but she's really found the part of mountain biking that she loves and what like really fulfills her. And I think a lot of the time we get really stuck in, I'm this kind of racer, I'm this kind of cyclist, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many clients do you have where they've done the same race for, you know, well over a decade without really even changing their goals in it?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, in a decade's one thing, but certainly you know these things have to evolve. And then there are people that go to the eight-hour or the twenty-four-hour or the Leadville or whatever, and they're they're lifers, right? I think you know the Leadville always gives that that medal, but yeah, I think it it evolves over time, and and you want to keep changing what's the you know, or at least making sure that the reasons you're doing it are not strictly uh, you know, to stand on the podium or to do this because we know that these these are things that don't necessarily last. So we want to make sure that there are, you know, a community element or you're traveling with people or it's in the preparation, the journey, if you will.
0: Yes, which sounds very cheesy, I'm not going to lie, but definitely is something to be thinking about, especially, you know, as, as we're getting older, as we're kind of starting to realize that oh you might not actually be able to improve on that performance from last year so can you go to the race and still feel good about it is there a way that you're gonna enjoy being there and find joy and it might be the same competition level that you were at last year like trying for the same you know just doing your best Mm -hmm. or it might be you know oh i want to go with friends and have this be a bit more of like a fun experience or i want to you know help a friend get through it or something like that
1: well or or perhaps i guess with vivian's case too where you're getting into maybe it's a little bit of work for that or it's a bit of an event you're part of or you're volunteering or you're Mm -hmm. as you say coaching right like this is where a lot of these things go to where you start teaching or sharing or volunteering uh you know no different than you would in your work life transition towards these types of things
0: Sure, sure yeah absolutely Cool. Well, before we get into the episode with Vivian, uh, just a quick reminder, if you are listening to this and uh, nodding your head, uh, we actually do do coaching consults. So even if you're not getting a plan or getting coaching from Peter, you can always book a call, even just kind of talking through what are your goals what are you thinking about for next season and this is a great time of year to start thinking about it December 31st is not the time to start thinking about the 2024 season
1: not for cyclists you know it was sort of there's that seasonality so we are going into the fall whether you live in a place that has fall or winter or or, you know whether you live in eternal spring uh the cycling season winds down or changes to a different cycling season so it is a good time to do a, a end of season review uh whether that's the last of your seasons in racing uh and then what does that look like what did you enjoy what are the the pieces you want to keep going with and certainly we have many clients that you know transition to being more on the bike packing side of things or participating in something like a stage race uh, just for the sake of, of doing it or, or a tour you know a lot of these european tours are doing the Giro stages or something like that right so there's there's so many different ways you can enjoy cycling and sometimes yeah the the consultation the, the call is a great way to sort of just look at what you enjoy what you've done and, and where you want to go from here
0: Mm -hmm. All right. And to find that, you can just go to consummateathlete.com where we have all the good stuff, whether it's show notes, blog posts, coaching, call books, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Check that out. And without further ado, enjoy this chat about all things mountain bike with Vivian Favory.
2: Vivian, welcome to the Consummate Athlete podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. I'm really excited, really honored to be here. Thank you.
0: Oh my gosh. So we we met at Quebec Single Track. And I my favorite part of Quebec Single Track, to be honest, was the last day when one of the medical staff actually like mistook me for you. I was like, yes. <laughs> we're, we're like weirdly twins, even though we had just met that week. So that was that was fantastic. Um Yeah,
2: that is. I love it too. I loved it too when you told me.
0: <laughs> but Okay, so at QSE, you were sort of the woman behind all of the the goings on or one of the women behind the goings on and we'll talk about that in a minute. but you're also a pretty badass mountain biker in your own right. So give us just sort of your athletic background and bio. How did you get into mountain biking? Like how long what was your racing
2: career? Okay. so um I started late. I started mountain biking when I was about to turn 25. And I'm 37 now. So it's, it's been not too long ago, like someone when we meet people 37, they have usually been riding their bikes for 20, 25 years. That's like the people around us. And for me, it's like, this is my 13th or 14th season. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I, I just started, you know, but um, yeah um i started mountain biking it was a dream of mine to interact more with the nature i grew up in sao paulo which is one of the biggest cities in the world in Brazil, and uh, my family didn't do any sport nobody in my family is into sports and uh, yeah i didn't really have uh, references close, and sports was just like something to to have fun with friends. It was not taken seriously. It was not even considered as important in education. Mm -hmm. It was almost like a waste of time if you think about productivity. So that's the culture I grew up in. And of course, um, I had to ignore my athletic side self for a long time, especially being a woman in such a machista environment. I needed to prove myself, I needed to find other skills and other talents to find my place in that culture. So I went to school, I started marketing and communications, I worked at, at, for big big inter- in, in companies in Sao Paulo. At some point I was um, a high achiever, junior executive in, I find I was finally ready to work for my family's business, and I did that for three years in the, uh, in São Paulo. And then at some point, things just like spun out. I was not happy. I I started having panic attacks. I was already very anxious and not not very happy, but like the panic thing is that that's what brought me to back to to myself and like and question everything and stop and be like what's going on and i realized i was really really not aligned with my soul and who i am like Mm -hmm. yeah i i was miles away from where i am now so long story short that that's what reconnected me with sports and i started running and then i started doing triathlons and then adventure racing because of that need to be closer to the nature and curiosity to be in the nature and uh, eventually i started mountain biking to become better at adventure racing and then i found my my gang i found my jazz i found my passion my love and that was everything that i wanted to do
0: Mm -hmm. oh i love that It's funny. We both have kind of similar stories with that. When I first got into cycling, it was really like I was doing triathlon. I had also, I was very unathletic, although I was purposefully unathletic. Like, sounds like you, you didn't really have like a super good choice on that. Mm -hmm. I just, you could not pay me to do a sport when I was a kid. I was really, oh yeah. I had such a hard time. And I think you and I have talked about this, the identity side of sport is really difficult, especially when you're younger, because when you're younger, you have this weird idea that you can only be like one thing. You're like a sporty person. So you play sports yeah. or you're really into, you know, you're like a science nerd. Or in my case, I was a bookworm. So I was like very in that track, like bookworms don't play sports. That doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. So I just refused to do it then in college I was like oh wow I'm really unhealthy feeling and uh this is this is probably not good so triathlon Uh just kind of happened from that but then I ended up in the cycling side because the people in cycling were just so good yeah like you meet your first like cycling team and you're you're oh this is what great people are like this is wonderful
2: that's awesome can you tell like like something about this this cycling environment that was like the that makes them special
0: i don't know it's it's so different from like the triathlon world cycling is so interesting because it's like it's a team sport but it's not a team sport uh-huh. and i think like i trained with all guys so i really wasn't on, going to ever be on their team right like we weren't going to be in races together necessarily and same with mountain biking like, it's not really a team sport but you still actually actively train together, yeah. And there's just this vibe in cycling that's so much less like individual focused than I mm-hmm. think triathlon or running yeah. is. And it's
2: really dynamic because, like, if you compare it to running in triathlon, you can run on a peloton with a group of friends, but it's, it's it, less thing. There are less cards to play. While in cycling. At, at each corner, at each climb, at each descent, at each change of pavement, things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can, if you're drafting someone, you can save, you know, what, 100 watts even. Yeah. Versus running, where if you can't run that person's pace, like there's no drafting. That's really going to help you keep up with the person in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, that was a big part, but okay. You didn't just get into mountain biking and like casually ride around Brazil, though you took it very seriously and like really moved your way up in the world. So like, give us the scope of your.
2: Okay. Yeah. So I started as soon as I realized that mountain biking was existed and because of adventure racing, I realized that my cheap bike that I used to go, to this to school or to the park didn't do it like I needed a better bike so I invested on that and I started trying to connect with people that that were doing that and um I couldn't even get on a curb like I I crashed all the time I was always hurt just from riding my bike in, in like a dirt road so I I paid to have lessons and skills lessons Uh, back then in brazil this was not a big thing like it is here now like we have certified coaches and there's like all this methodology Uh, back there uh, it was more like this one um um, uh, accomplished uh ex-pro athlete he was really good really skilled on the bike and he was giving classes and clinics. So I was taking all the clinics available and learning how to break, learning how to do like little things and um the more I did it, the more I loved it. And within four years I became national champion. <laughs> so it worked out. Yeah. It worked also, out. Yeah.
0: Professionally at this point. So what did this look like? You were working at your family's business. Mm-hmm. Did you like when did you obviously, you're not doing that anymore. So when did that exit happen? And how was that like transition of leaving to pursue like this much less lucrative career? Let's be honest.
2: (laughs) Well, yes, I guarantee. (laughs) Um, So uh, within this for the Yeah, so I started focusing on mountain biking, working full time as a marketing executive. And I was training before work uh in sao paulo we train at 5 a.m we start we leave the house at like 4 40 and we have until like 7 ish to to be able to get a workout in before the traffic goes too crazy yeah it's not simple and there's the pollution it's crazy actually and then uh, every weekend i would get out of town and go to the mountains and train mountain bike specific mountain biking skills and trails and uh, more mountain bike endurance. So that led me to, um, and then I would also use my vacations to do stage races. That was my thing, I loved it. I was like, this is what I wanna do for the rest of my life. I wanna take go on vacation on a bike race. I wanna use a bike race as a vacation because I'm gonna get to see the place, I'm gonna get to meet people and to eat local food. It's gonna be like the best way to experience a real life in different places. Mm-hmm. And um, I never dreamed that I could actually be one of the best in the country like that was beyond imagine i could never even dream of that i was only looking for what, how far can i go that was my mo my my quote my motto mm-hmm. and um when it happened in 2015 it actually happened because through connections uh through f- friendships that uh I met there's this one person, Ali Stalker. Maybe she's listening to us, and if not, I will send this this to her. She needs to to know this. Like she knows actually, she played a big part on me becoming professional because she went to Brazil to race Brazil Ride in 2014, I think, with uh, Rebecca Rush, and I was there, and we got to chat a lot. We were every night we were talking to each other and sharing like and you know we, we became friends and she invited me to go over her house in uh, spring to race pisgah stage race and i was like are you serious because i'm gonna say yes <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she was too nice and she said yes i'm serious and i was like okay i'm gonna take it and i went and then it, we just became we just realized we were sisters from another mister and uh, basically ali it, it showed me everything about being a pro cyclist. Like, Ellie, she raced for big teams. And she was a really, really good, strong athlete, a strong female. Like, she's a very strong woman as well. And uh, full of character and ethics. And she um, she was doing more road ride. More, more, she was on the road. And her husband as well, John... Uh, he was also racing on the road and he was a um, USA crit, crit champion, a few, like maybe two, tw- one, at least once. So um, being close to them opened up my mind to, hey, Vivi, you're not just a Brazilian rider. You are, you train and you live like a professional racer. Your curiosity and your interest in nutrition and in performance uh, are... Are legit, so stop. Lo- like I was always thinking, putting myself down, and it's sort of like how Peter is doing with his national title, you know, right now. Like, dude, yeah, you are a national, yeah. you're a national champion. That's a big deal. Like, respect your title. Exactly. So, um, I didn't have a title yet, but Ali was basically telling me, respect your effort. You are there, and Love you can that. do it. Oh.
0: Yeah. That's so good. That's actually like, you know, the one question I wanted to ask was like, if you could go back and give yourself some advice, like what would it be? And I feel like that's, that's one of those pieces right there is respect. Yeah. Respect your effort. I love that. So living with her and like being at that race though, was there anything else that she was doing that you're like, Oh gosh, I should be, I should be doing that too. Like, you know hmm. hydrating or foam rolling or anything like that
2: yeah definitely ali taught me a lot about nutrition and eating feeling well and fueling well and she was doing all these smoothies and eating lots of greens and the norma tech boots and uh um but of above all she was not super strict about it it's she taught me that there was a balance and I should respect the balance as well. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so, so much one can do to, to reach performance and you have to respect your basic needs above all. Um, if you are too grumpy, if you're, uh, if you are too strict, then you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And Ali was the perfect example of being the balance for me. And we just had so much fun together. I love that. That really, I think all of what you're saying there comes
0: back to this self-respect in just kind of all levels, right? You have respect for your capabilities and for your athletic performance, but you're also respecting, like, yeah, like you say, not pushing it so hard that you're just miserable and not actually making progress as it turns out when you're that miserable. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah exactly but life is a roller coaster and like she was a gift in my life and for sure she's a part of winning the national title and then um winning brazil ride for the first time with the other brazilian writer ry- haiza Golo and then getting invited to join a new ci team um in germany that came after and i'll get to that in a minute but just like saying that so there are so many times where I needed Ali close to me and she and I didn't have her there to remind me of those things. And if you ask me, what did I do wrong? What did I regret? The regret the, it, these things are usually involved with self-respect, even though I already had learned that, you know,
0: mm mm-hmm. I think that's one of those ones that we just have to keep learning over and over and over again. It's more like a thing. We just need the regular reminder of for sure. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Okay. So you get invited to join this UCI team in Germany, which I assume means you're now moving over to Europe for good chunks of the season. What is that like?
2: Yeah. So that included talking to my family explaining what the opportunity was and of course they were they didn't agree with it (laughs) um but at the same time they they didn't have a choice i i was going and uh so in order to cope with my family as well i i because my family is really tight you know latin families they they're too very tight and there's the grandpa who takes care of the, everybody. And he always is giving an opinion about what he thinks and whatnot. And um, and my grandpa was like, also like, yeah, are you sure you want to do that? But um, I, I moved into my dad's house for the year. I got rid of my apartment. So I would lower my expenses, but that meant living in sao paulo like sao paulo was my home base when i wasn't in europe and training In just just google sao paulo you're gonna <laughs> real it's not a good idea to if you live there you better not enjoy bikes it's not a friendly place to do it you know um, i think
0: it might actually be listed as one of like the worst cities in the world for cycling if i recall from some
2: like dangerous uh, cycling list yeah definitely it could be yeah Easily, yeah. So um, I quit my job. It, that was December, like Christm- before Christmas was my last day, last day at work. And then I spent Christmas with my family and then I flew to Europe to start training and living with the, the team. And the goal with the team, they hired me because I was a strong marathon marathoner, ex-cross ex- country marathon racer. They knew they could help me develop. Yeah, and yes, I had so much to learn. I couldn't even sprint uh, standing on the bike. I could only do efforts seated. That's how limit, like how like beginner I was still, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that one of our first workouts in Mallorca in Spain was they taught me how to how to do thirty seconds efforts. Fifteen-second efforts, like the short efforts, and they were teaching me how to coordinate, like sprinting on the bike, because I didn't know how to do that. It's, it's crazy, but um, going back, they hired me because because of that and because of my charisma. So they wanted to add like a personality to the team that fit with their the the image they wanted to to give to the sponsors, and we had really pretty good and awesome sponsors, and uh, so that fit pretty well. Um, only like, and for me, that was like really nice, but you know, what can you imagine? Like being a part of a German team when you were, <laughs> when you need warmth? <laughs>
0: yeah. That's not really what, uh, they're traditionally known for per se. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, imagine it was quite clinical. <laughs> yeah. That's a good word. Clinical. Exactly yeah so for sure it was it came with a with huge inputs amazing things that i learned but it came it, it also uh taught me that being isolated from warmth and exchange uh did not do well for me mm-hmm. i learned it the hard way yeah yeah but um the two years with them were my my i would say my master's degree (laughs) yeah so that's i learned everything i experienced world cup racing i experienced uh, uh, um, world championships and uh yeah huge elite races and i experimented the high pressure of losing weight like you have to you have to be skinny you have to lose weight and then the pressure the the yeah like I, I experienced a lot of what's involved into those high performance teams and uh, unfortunately most of it are I can say that it's the old school way of doing things I think now there's like a whole new way of doing things that um, I, I experienced the hard part of it I think so
0: and I, I do think though that there's still a lot of teams out there that are sticking to that old like ah oh, yes to improve power to weight we're just gonna drop your weight way down Yeah. Um, when we were in Girona a couple of years ago I still remember sitting in a coffee shop and overhearing a team manager interviewing a potential rider uh-huh. and just the like vicious stuff that he was saying to her about like how much weight she would have to lose oof like I almost ran after her when she left to be like, don't join that team. I don't care what they are. I don't, I don't even know what team it was, but I was just like, this is not going to be a good situation for anyone. Yeah.
2: And the problem is that for me, that was the only opportunity I would have to have that master's degree, like in Mm -hmm. a quote. Um, Otherwise I would I would have to stick like it's okay I can stick to my plan and do it more organically and growing the sport organically but I was really curious and I know I'm resilient I know I can handle hard stuff so I wanted to test myself oh that's super interesting so you were able to like be conscious of it and
0: I think that comes back to the stuff Ali had taught you about the self-respect so it's you could actually make that decision to go along with the program but you still had this like self-knowledge in your the back of your mind that like this might not be right but I can make this work for now to hit the goal that I have
2: yeah exactly but um of course I, I think it played a, a huge tool in my in my career. It shortened my career a bit. It, it made it like it made me grow faster, but it shortened in the other hand because um, I, I didn't I, I didn't really have a huge uh, structure like you know like when you talk about our safe village, the people around us that make everything possible, I didn't really have that really strong. Um, so I felt alone and I felt like I had nobody to talk to and my friend, Ali, she was in another continent. And when I came home, she was in the same continent, but in another country. So like exchanging with people who understand, who understood me was hard. Because, like it happened, but it was far. They were not close to me. And, um, I just hadn't, I, it was really hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's if it, I don't know how I I could I cannot change that because that's part of like my my story and my challenges growing up and my life like I cannot change it and, and it, I didn't choose to be like this it was just like I didn't have much confidence in myself growing up and. Um, i was vulnerable i i was vulnerable you know in mm-hmm. so um being alone and like what just to give you an example i remember uh expressing to i uh, to my ex boyfriend back then that the, that um being in europe i was having a hard time there for like it was something yeah. was hard i was like i i feel lonely and it's really hard but uh i you know, and he was like, he, he didn't accept that, that I was saying that. He was like, you shouldn't say that you're living the dream. And uh, so many people wish they were there in your place. Oh, this is my least favorite thing that people do. Yeah. <laughs> and those things were st- coming from a lot of places, those things started breaking me apart. Yeah. Know? So these things, they, they hurt you even even if you recover in the end of the season you go home and you, you you see your you're back at your with your crew with your friends the people you ride with and you you, you do your base miles in a safer environment um it was all, i always felt like people didn't know what i was going through and i couldn't actually explain what i was going through because like people was always like we're always like are oh, you lucky you have this how is it so hard mm-hmm. you know or the flip side of like, oh,
0: well, why don't you just come home and go back to what you were doing before yeah. <laughs> instead of continuing with it, right? Instead of like, yeah, no, that's a super tough situation. And you kind of, you said you feel like it really cut your career short. Can you kind of elaborate on on what that looked like?
2: Well, yeah, because um, so I, I spent two years with the German team and then I signed with Cannondale Brazil, which was amazing and they were so awesome to me and they allowed me to grow, um, in the team and in the company, um, giving me opportunities to, to create content for them and etc. for five years. Um, so, you know, giving me the opportunity to be fully myself, cause I'm not only a racer, I'm a communicator. I need that to come together, mm-hmm. but, um. back to your question it cut it short because in the end of 2019 I um I sort of had a burnout you know
0: so I really wanted you to touch on this because I see so many young cyclists making these like big cuts are like trying to take these these shortcuts, or following this bad advice yeah. for the short term gains, and yeah. maybe they're going to have a couple of great seasons, but the long term effects of that, yeah, not great,
2: not great. So the uh, that's the pro- that's the point. And then I passed the point of return, big time. And when the pandemic hit, I. I realized I did not want to see my bike. I did not want to see to have a plane a training schedule. I didn't. I did not want to plan my meals. I did not want to take a pill because, like, we were always like taking. Ah, let's take uh, the the multivitamin. Let's take like you know all these like natural supplements that I used to take like oh yeah, like all these things that I was like using to. (laughs) uh net the of course allowed the, the the i i'm always an organ more organic uh, supplement person but i did yeah, not want like, to see those in front to of be me.
0: clear we're talking about safe sport options like options here we're not yeah. talking about like weird stuff but it's still no, i know what you yeah. mean every every pro yeah, i did not want to see like... wait
2: you know weight pro- protein like everybody oh, yeah. that goes to the gym <laughs> uses whey protein and knows what it is like I did not want to any of that. I just wanted to eat whatever I wanted. And I was like, who am I now? Like, Cause I lost my identity there. Well, and you had
0: already, you know you hadn't been a young athlete, right? Like you already had to, you'd already given up one identity to become a mountain bike racer, yes. which I think makes it even harder to then be like, wait, what if I don't wanna be a mountain bike racer anymore? That's a huge identity crisis.
2: Yeah, and I did not want to go back to what I was doing before because I was unhappy at working full time in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. So that was another crisis. <laughs> yeah, and well, in the and in the middle of all all that, um, th- that there's the coming moving to Canada thing. and then another identity crisis because no nobody knows who I am here and like what when I'm in Brazil I I used to be known there Mm -hmm. people knew my name knew who I was and like when I when I was on my bike I would hear like a lot of people saying hey you know like calling me from all 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 places like and even you know in Sao Paulo which is a huge city sometimes I would be passing by and I would hear some someone like all of a sudden Livian! like, you, you know, like it was really it's special. It's nice. It's like you're, you're the recognition of your hard work. Um, and here it's like I'm I'm the girlfriend of Raf Gagne.
0: <laughs> yes. And yeah, well, OK, a couple things there. Number one, yeah, girlfriend or now wife of Raf Gagne, Canadian yeah. Olympian. Very big deal in Quebec, where you now live where English is not the first language, French okay. is the main language. So yeah. Brazil is Portuguese. You had English down and now you are immersed in French. So yeah. it's not just like a new community to get used to. It's a new language.
2: Yeah. How how was that for the first? Like- <laughs> Man, I think this is harder. It's almost as hard as going to Europe in a German team. <laughs> it is, it's it's pretty hard. Um, it takes a lot of effort to learn a new language. It takes, um, it, how do you say, now I forgot the word in English, but you will have to say goodbye to certain things in order to allow other things to come in and um you have th- you have to accept that and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't really know what's on stake until you start feeling upset and uh, realizing that you're missing a lot of other stuff so there's a lot of emo- it's an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. and uh and i all of this happened because so connecting with the burnout situation and the pandemic starting and me realizing i didn't want to train that of course led to a depression and I wasn't able to sleep and you know as an athlete as an endurance as an endurance athlete we're always able to find excuses for those things and we was always like yeah of course I didn't sleep well because I, I'm worried about this and that and next day you don't sleep again you know like yeah but I didn't sleep because like I'm it's it's, you know we're always like we always have an excuse and like if you're listening to it and you don't sleep well and you have like you wake up in the middle of the night or you wake up too early like just be aware that that's not how you how your sleep is supposed to go because like life can be better even if you can live your life not sleeping well which was my case i could live my life i was still productive for a while a while so um, that's the problem. We we can still do things not sleeping well, you know, mm-hmm. and we ignore that life could be better if we did. We could do way better if we were sleeping well. So it, it took me about a year to see my doc, to talk to my general doctor and uh, get her, in- in- uh, tell me I should see a psychiatrist. And when I started my treatments, oh my God, like, it's like, whole new life and i'm i okay.
0: was like i have to ask what language do you see your, your therapist in
2: i see in portuguese because it's way easier to have access to doctors in brazil than here oh, okay yeah so i uh, my general doctor and my psychiatrist and my psychologist they are all in brazil and i see them virtually or mm-hmm. when i go to brazil i see them pers. In person mm-hmm. and then i buy my medication in brazil and i buy a medication like when i was taking medication i bought it for the whole first for the whole time i would be not going to, back to brazil and so i would have it here with me and uh that worked out uh, yeah so i took medication for a year and then i made friends again with my sleep and uh yeah
0: Yeah, it turns out the sleep is a big, big part of that equation for sure. And so when did you get back on the bike? Because obviously I know how the story like shakes out. Mm -hmm. So when did that come back?
2: Yeah, so I was still pushing myself to go on the bike and to do things. But I'm lucky enough that my partner, Raf, he's amazing. And he's one of our, one of the things that connect us the most is our passion for multi-sport we love exploring any sports and we did a lot of hiking and he we took the opportunity of not of the pandemic to to see quebec Mm -hmm. so we he took me to all the places around our hometown to to we did a lot of hikes and some camping and i participated on my last professional uh, race uh, f- in, uh, on my na- my last national championships in 2020. So I went to Brazil and I raced nationals. I-, I finished fifth, even though, though I didn't have the perfect preparation leading to it. Um, and then it was just like a mental battle between accepting where I was mentally and physically and my expectations. So, um, yeah and I therapy was was uh, like very important because I was going crazy like my expectation was to be a really strong athlete and that's what what I um my identity was and coming to Canada was like Ah Vivi she Ralph met her uh, through racing so she's really strong and I want to ride with her and then they ride with me and I'm I don't have that fitness fitness level And I have to be okay with who I am, you know, to show up like that. Yeah. Uh, And it's, sometimes it's hard. Yeah. You know, like, I know that people will connect with this, even though like people don't talk often about it, like when we show up to a group ride and people think we're fast and you get there and you're not riding as fast and you like, you wonder like, yeah, it's not comfortable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny. I always joke about, I don't really do a lot of local racing partially for that reason, because I feel like there's like this expectation that I would like win a running race if I enter it locally. And that stresses me out way more than showing up at like any start line, Mm -hmm. like outside of (laughs) of this area. So yeah, it's a very interesting feeling. And yeah, if you don't win now, it's like, oh my gosh, who am I as a per? I thought like I should have won. Oh no. And it's and. Like, let's be honest, group rides also include winning. Like, yeah, we we try to pretend that like, oh, it's casual pace. I have never once been on a group ride that legitimately felt like casual pace. Honestly,
2: group rides are harder than any training I would do when I was pro racing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
0: And harder than most races that you're yes. in. <laughs> yeah because they're <laughs>
2: unorganized and people do weird things <laughs> super chaotic yeah it's, yeah yes absolutely so um it's been a trajectory learning how to appreciate that and show up as I am and allow people to get to know me beyond what they think I am mm-hmm. giving themselves time to get to know me and giving m- myself time to to integrate in this new environment. And for me, it's really important to connect with with the local culture and create roots where I am. Because I could live here and continue having my Brazilian podcast and my Brazilian sponsors and going back to Brazil every now and then to race or do things for the Brazilian brands. But I wouldn't be there and I wouldn't be here if I did that. Yep, yep. And, la- and then like flying is not even a sustainable thing to do <laughs> anymore. You know, yeah. it-, it was never. But, you know, like I also think about that. So I, for me, what makes sense is really to take a few step backs and accept that I need to give myself time to, re- to connect, to build my a new identity as a Quebecois. a canadian and uh in this community and embrace everything that comes with it Mm -hmm. well and i think you've obviously done a really
0: good job of that with your work with qse and i mean i think the job that you have with the organization that runs quebec single track is actually it couldn't be more perfect if you think like communications yeah and mountain biking (laughs) so yeah how has how has that been like stepping into more of this like organizing events role when you're used to being on the the start line side of
2: it yeah that's a great question um so last in the end of last year i announced to all my part my clients i worked with cannondale with strava with red bull brazil um uh, which asw which is a, a feb- uh the effect uh, clothing factory for cycling in Brazil, they, these were really close partners of mine, I, I announced that I didn't want to, I was pausing my work in Portuguese in order to establish here. So we okay, could That some, is huge. Like that yeah. is such
0: a courageous, terrifying move. How did it feel sending those
2: emails? It was pretty hard as well. <laughs> it felt terrifying um because as i was sending those emails and as i was telling announcing those things i didn't have a job here yet i didn't know yet what would it be and where i was gonna earn money with so it took a lot of support from raf and he's able to offer that for for us uh, because he had a very successful career and we we have our own house and we have a car we have a we have a very structured life because of him and the way he planned his retirement as well so it was terrifying and um and i really didn't want to go back to having to work full-time in front of the computer in like a very strict environment Mm -hmm. so i was i was looking for a job that i could connect my qualities my passion and um i need a team that will make me feel like i want to give give that extra effort of if i'm gonna give 35 hours of my week i need to give it to a to a a team of people that will appreciate it and that will use it in a good way Um, and also where i can be vulnerable at because i'm gonna make a lot of mistakes i'm gonna Mm -hmm. make language mistakes i'm gonna make cultural mistakes because uh, at the same time it's all new and um uh, paint that the group paint that long which is the the organization that organizes quebec single track they opened us a a spot and um, i i signed up for it (laughs) and uh and they they finally chose me out of many candidates i they actually chose someone else who was a native french speaker but in the end it didn't work out with this person and they they uh, they called me and they were like hey uh are you still interested and i was like hell yeah i need it because like i don't have an income next month
0: (laughs) amazing
2: yeah so that's how it started in january and To answer your question, um, this is not the first time I work on the other side of the tape um, of the, you know, outside of the track in an event. I worked for Brazil Ride in 2013 as a media person. I was doing their uh, social media coverage and that was amazing. I got that's when i met rebecca rush she was back then my hero i was such a fan of her love her and uh, she gave she gave me her book signed and her jersey and that was such a motivation boost for me in 2013. so rebecca if you're listening to us thank you you're amazing
0: (laughs) he's so great
2: yeah And Celine Yeager was there as well. Another badass, amazing, strong woman.
0: Another. Actually, I I always tell her she's sort of my like reluctant mentor. Like, oh, my gosh, I remember reading her like fit chick articles back in, you know, right when I got into cycling and. We've both, you know, been writing for bicycling for years now. She's one of my absolute favorite humans. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: And, and I totally see you like as like the continuation of Celine. Like, it's... I
0: hope so. Like we, and now we both have podcasts on the same network. Like it's, yeah. it's funny. Yeah. I, yeah, I always say she's like absolutely my like work and life, just like icon. That's
2: awesome. So see these people, they changed my life. Mm-hmm. Being in contact with them being seeing them in person because i was in brazil mountain bike scene in brazil is it used to be really small and isolated and exclusive and having access to to those people in my home country that was huge you know Mm -hmm. so i did that and then i also worked for formula one grand prix in sao paulo a couple times as a volunteer in the media room okay yeah so i i that those things they gave me a standard of 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 what uh, as an athlete when i go to events that are uh, it just gave me a high standard so Mm -hmm. if i go to an event and i see that there are things that could be better i would i will give them constructive feedback i know they will appreciate it so Mm -hmm. as an athlete i was always doing that and now on the and for Quebec single track because this year it was so challenging with the weather conditions and we
0: wild <laughs> oh my gosh uh,
2: we only had bad news to announce and it was terrible um, you get so good with announcing bad news though I
0: have <laughs> honestly like I genuinely have never seen a group of people not complain but like I think because of the way you were able to deliver the like the course is short today. The course is short today. The cor- Like, yeah, I don't think I like I didn't hear anyone complaining about the short courses. You. Like, Thank everyone you so was, much for saying yeah, that. It's so good.
2: But that's and hearing things like that were that made me appreciate even more the made me he, realize how important it is to receive in, uh, constructive feedback. So during Quebec Single Track I we had people come tell us look in our eyes and say, "Hey guys, I know it's hard for you. You're doing a great job." That meant so much. So um, these are two things that I that that are takeaways from being an athlete and being on the other side. Like actually, it's one thing, but looking from both sides, the just constructive feedback is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think, yeah, when it can be constructive feedback and at least if you have feedback that's in the like, here's how you can fix a thing, also giving the feedback of like what they're doing right, because there's no organizer that is trying to put on a bad event. And I've seen so many organizers just burn out because Mm -hmm. all they're getting is criticism of like how they could do it better, how they could do it better. And no one ever says thank you.
2: Yeah, exactly. So when I say constructive feedback, I mean um giving feedback assertive feedbacks about what's going on right and mm. if things are not going on as good trying to understand what's behind it and be like and not only criticize and be actually actually be interest curious about the challenges behind that thing
0: yes so it, the yeah challenge for quebec single track this year being quebec was underwater yes exactly. and then on fire <laughs> and then in a tornado
2: possibly exactly yeah we had everything yeah and really? it was li- literally underwater if you see pictures of the of Shannon uh on the week of the Quebec single track our finish line was had like two meters of water
0: <laughs> yeah would have been a triathlon or yeah. a du- duathlon and there was um, a
2: a waterfall in Monsanto and impossible to to race there either so
0: yeah, yeah. And not the normal waterfall in St. Anne, like a new one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it was just a trail that is now a waterfall. It was wild. a good point. Wild.
2: <laughs> yeah, there, there's like a very nice waterfall in Monsanto. And we're not talking about that one. <laughs> yeah, not that one. We're talking um, about a trail where there's not supposed to be water. Yeah, exactly. And it became a waterfall.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've done stage races and you've now seen people do stage races. I actually had a question towards post-race stage racing, because um, I'm actually working on another article and I like kind of combining our consummate athlete interviews with articles here when I can. Um, as far as like what you've seen people do after races and then what you've learned about doing, what are some of your tips for like the post-stage race recovery? And this can be like taking off your, you know, chamois and getting out of that or like what you're eating. Just like, yeah, what's, what should people do after a stage? So
2: I know you guys already covered a lot of stuff at the consummate athlete because, like, I'm a listener. So, like, yeah, removing the bib and getting your um, feeling right after within one hour of finishing your stage, that's key. I, I actually don't neg, ne- uh, I am, how do you say that in English? I don't neg, ne- I'm gonna say it in a different way. For me, it's really important to finish every workout and fuel right away. If mm-hmm. I don't do that, i will pay the price next day or the day following it will affect the recover the recovery for the whole week yeah so this is like a, a rule of thumb i always take my recovery shake right after training no matter what even if it's a recovery r- ride, if it's longer than one hour or so i will because just because like it takes time to cook and to eat and Make sure you get those calories in and yeah. So that's key. Um,
0: I think that's a really good point because I think people have the best intentions to have their lunch or whatever the next meal is like soon. But then we all get caught up like doing our email and like, oh no, now I have this call that was scheduled and this, this and this. And suddenly it's been five hours and you haven't had anything. So I think you're right that like just something immediately after and then you can have your lunch whenever but mm-hmm. something.
2: Well, if you bunk in the shower, that's a big sign that's a big <laughs> big way to learn. <laughs> that has happened to me a few times, especially in the winter here in Quebec. When like I started doing winter sports, you burn way more calories because you're trying to stay warm and then you get home and and I was like, oh, I just did a 1-hour workout outside, but no, like you are you did a lot so long story short don't don't try to like lose weight there if yeah like don't cut those calories like after the eating after training is key just get your uh, recovery shake in as soon as possible Mm -hmm. no matter what no matter how long you did like respect your effort right? Bringing a um, full circle. I love yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I will also add to that, um, the intra-training nutrition. Mm-hmm. So many times I neglected intra-training nutrition because I was trying to keep my weight low and trying to stay light. And that's a huge, no, like, don't do that. You need to be strong. That's first of all, like, Yeah, I'm not gonna get into losing weight subject because that's a monster. But basically, you need to be strong. If you want to be an athlete, you need to be strong, you need to eat well. And fueling during training is really, really important. And you cannot have a proper week of training if you're not feeling during every training. And that includes sometimes um, eating a bit more than you want. And that includes sometimes hydrating before going in a workout with not only electrolytes, but with sugar as well. Because if if you're going to a workout where you're not gonna be able to fuel during, then get there ready, get your body ready for that. I think those mm-hmm. things I learned in the, I refined via endurance racing and living in Quebec.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. And okay, getting back, you mentioned winter sports. How was the learning to cross-country ski and figure all of that stuff out as someone from
2: Brazil where I don't think there's a lot of snow? No, 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 not really. No snow in Brazil. And uh, it it involved a lot of crashing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we have to um, set up smaller goals and learn how to set up small goals actually it's like downgrading your expectations yes forget high performance and focus to the beginner skills and it's so much fun when you embrace it it was i had a blast i signed up for the local club and i just like loved the process of it And sometimes I was like super upset and like mad, like, I cannot stop crashing out. What what the heck? But like, even I would, after recovering from, from the workout, I would be like, so proud of myself for showing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, in the end of the season, I took, I participated on a, on a ski race. Yeah. I did a twenty-five kilometer cross-country ski uh, race in Mont Sainte-Anne. It's way
0: too long. That seems like a sk- lot of skiing. Skating
2: discipline, and yeah, it was so much. Like it was, it was amazing to be there with zero pressure. I showed yeah. up with curiosity. I was like, I want to see what I can do today. Like I'm just gonna do my best, and my 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 goal was not to crash. And to respect my limits, and I did amazing. I finished in the middle of the pack.
0: Nice. I think I did amazing, yeah. I think that's amazing. Yeah. No, I love cross-country skiing because I have no expectations. Like, I am aware that I am very bad at it, and that is (laughs) fine. Like, that is fantastic. No intention of getting better.
2: But you know what? I really (laughs) enjoy (laughs) it. I love it. I love hearing you, you, you talk, like I want to interview you. I think you're right, <laughs> But like, at the same time, um, we need to recognize where we are because there are a lot of people that are behind you and that mm-hmm. work a lot, really hard. Like there are people that finished behind me that have been doing cross-country skiing for ages.
0: I think so, that's well. Cool. So that's the nice part is like we do have an engine built up from years of other endurance sports that does yeah. translate to the ability to yeah stick with cross country skiing yeah. for like an hour or two at a time and not be completely racked. So
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. So we we cannot just say that I can't say that I did bad. I need to mm-hmm. respect the other rider, the other racers. I need to respect everybody. So, um, yeah, my technical skills are, are in progress and result wise, I did not do a podium at all, but, uh, even if I finished last, you know, Mm -hmm. like if I did the same effort, if I did this, if I delivered the same race, but everybody was in front of me, I, I should be proud.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. And okay, on a practical note, you mentioned falling down a lot. Here's my big issue. I fall down a lot on the skis. The getting back up, much harder than the falling down. Have you mastered the technique of getting back up? And if so, what is the trick?
2: You're talking about getting back up on cross-country skis? Yeah. Oh, my God um see this is my problem i fall a
0: lot and then the getting up does not go it's
2: hard no like sometimes i have to remove this you have to remove the poles from your hands you have to search your glasses that were shoot somewhere else Yep, yeah and then your skis like your feet is like going the wrong way because the ski got caught like it's no i did not master that skill And each time it happens, (laughs) I feel so silly. But at the same time, my inner child is cracking, like laughing so hard at myself. And And I think,
0: I do think it is good learning, like having those experiences as the beginner, especially because you've also gotten into coaching recently. So you're doing some work with Empire 47, which is like a fabulous trail system in Quebec. Mm -hmm. How How has that been? I feel like... The experience with cross-country skiing probably helped you a lot getting back into like getting into yeah. coaching yeah,
2: it because it reminds you. It reminds you, definitely. So that helps. And cross so coaching for me right now is my favorite job to do because it's the the one that is the most connected to racing a bike that mm-hmm. there is that I'm doing right now. So I miss racing bikes and I miss the whole being a, 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 a pro athlete full-time so much that Um, coaching is filling in that place in my heart and it just makes me really happy when I see people developing their potential on the bike Mm -hmm. so that's that's a passion of mine as well to help people and teach and coach and it's a great opportunity I'm so happy I'm getting to do it this season and like just just as any other high achiever in this world of course that I want to be the best coach as possible and I keep studying and I got certified and I'm also I'm always studying developing my skills on the bike and as a coach i'm working both ways
0: Mm -hmm.
2: oh i love that yeah okay and then the last thing i wanted
0: to ask about is really like making making friends on the bike because i know we've talked about this when we were at quebec single track like it would be so hard to have just moved to quebec without like having a way to tap into a community and i think biking is so good for that so how has it been like trying to find find friends on the bike
2: Yes, it's it was really hard before I realized I could be part of a club, so the club thing is amazing. We don't have that in Brazil. In Brazil, we have the clubs in Brazil. They are a profitable organization, right? So there are companies with coaches and they have the, the group rides are their thing and here the clubs are a place for families to to do sports together and for kids to develop through sports it's an educational place it's a fun place and i when i at first i didn't think i would i that was my place to be because i was already a skills coach i was already an accomplished pro racer If I join a club, I should be there as a coach. I should be there as like some, a mentor, but that didn't come to me. And I realized it wasn't going to come to me. It's more like they don't need me. They already have their community leaders that are amazing that know everything. Like it's more the other side, but they can give so much to me. Mm -hmm. So I signed up for, for this key club at first. And then uh, I loved it so much that I signed up for the mountain bike local club and those club rides where each club ride is a race because they are a group of amateurs that like to ride as hard as possible. Like we were saying earlier. Um, so that environment is really fun. And I, I know I, re- I realized they liked me because one day I got there, and so like it's touchy like I at the same time I want to give feedback I don't want to say too much because I I don't want to be like the cocky person that gets there and knows everything like no I don't and they know a lot too and I want to listen I like you know I want to interact with people so so, and I'm also like what impression am I am I going to give so I'm I'm not the most I'm not very socially skilled you know So Uh,
0: I'm going to call BS on
2: that. I think (laughs) you're
0: very socially skilled, but continue.
2: I don't know. Like, I thank you for saying that. I, I think I have skills in a certain way, but in like, when it comes to like that more basic thing, like just getting to know people, it's hard
0: Oh, you and I might actually be the same with this. Like we can handle a crowd. I'm shy. But Yeah. yeah, in like a small group, it's terrifying.
2: That's it. Small, I'm terrified of talking one-on-one or in small groups it's yep. yeah okay we're similar that way so, all right carry yeah, on so, <laughs> so carrying on I uh, signed up for the club and started writing with this guy oh sorry okay back to the story how did I learn that they actually liked me one day i show up i'm tired i'm like guys i'm gonna ride z2 today i cannot go as a, i cannot ride with you guys like you guys are too fast for me today and they're like we're gonna ride z2 with you i was like oh, eh, huh? no guys no guys z2 is like way slower than what you write no and then they roll with me on my pace and i was like they like me <laughs> I have
0: although friends. I think the other secret is they're all also freaking exhausted <laughs> trying <laughs> to keep up with each other on the group rides so when That's one right. person yeah. I have noticed that on group rides if like you can just be the person that like takes the ego hit of like can we slow down everyone's like oh thank god uh, uh-huh. I've been wanting to slow down for like an hour but I also <laughs> think that they really like you
2: thank you I hope they do because like I really appreciate them and they're so nice so everybody from from um, club Mathieu performance listening to this they, the my the group eight there's they are my I love them they're amazing and like they make my life here they have no idea like we don't even see each other outside of training but having the training right with them, uh it makes my my day it it makes me feel like uh, I'm I'm home here Mm -hmm.
0: no it's the fastest way to like feel like you're putting down like you said those roots yeah is yeah finding that local club
2: yeah Yeah. and when you're riding with groups you expose yourself you will show your weaknesses and your strength on the bike and just like your personality so um I definitely uh, doing club sports is one huge way of integration in a new community
0: it is the fastest bonding when you realize that like running or cycling when you're like oh can we have a pee stop and now you're peeing yeah. on the side of the road with like 10 people you don't get like literally no, no other place is going to put you in that kind of like close space where you're like okay we can talk about like we have to pee okay yeah this is happening yeah. that's how you know you have found your people
2: yeah exactly or like when you have a flat. And they will, the people will stop and help you. Like they, even if you don't need help, they will be there just because they don't want to leave you alone. Exactly. These things are, yeah, special.
0: So good. Oh my gosh. Okay, well we could keep talking for hours, I think. I know, um,
2: like, is it like, <laughs> like is it tomorrow we, already? <laughs> yeah, how did we get this this far
0: down? Okay, so let's let's wrap the podcast here. Uh let everyone know where they can find you and follow you and where they can find out about the super fun Quebec single track. It's like summer camp on a bike. It's famous. Yeah,
2: it is it is uh, we we visit a different uh, bike center each day it's the best of Quebec and Quebec is the Mecca of cross country racing. So, uh, and there are some amazing enduro trails now. So yeah, you should come uh, QuebecSingletrack.com. And then also Quebec Single Track on Instagram and Facebook. And for me, it's Vivian Favory, V-I-V-I-A-N-E-F-A-V-E-R-Y. Did I say it right? You did. I will
0: include a link in the show notes yeah. as well so people can find you.
2: And um, I have a podcast in Portuguese with some in- interviews in English. So if you want to listen me to me interviewing London F, it's on MTB Pass, MTB Pass on uh, Instagram and uh, Spotify. But um, yeah, I think that's it. These are my platforms for now. Thank you it. so much. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete
0: Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.